what's up everybody? Welcome back to to No Hope the podcast. <laughs> or it may be whittled down to just No Hope. So No Hope, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Nothing else <laughs> needs to be said. Uh so it's official the re re rebranding. I don't know what you call it when you go back to your old brand. Um <laughs> I think it's called a retreat. Yeah, a retreat. You know, um, it's like getting back with an ex and whatever. We, it's a, hey, Coke had, Coke had to do it, so, you know, don't yeah. feel too bad. And Yeah, and it was great. Um, I actually had some <laughs> new Coke sometime recently, definitely in 2020. I don't remember where I got it from, uh, but they were, they were marketing it, and it, it, it's terrible. As bad as, as bad as I remember it. What a weird time. Because there was a brief period of time in the United States where there wasn't any regular Coke, I don't think. It was just... Yep. Whew, that was rough. Even to my little mind, that seemed crazy. Like you yeah, guys it was hard had, to believe. Yeah, had a perfect drink. Um, anyway, so we uh, will probably be a relatively short show but wanted to christen the internet with no hope or rechristen uh, a <laughs> ship that it sank and then we, we brought it up it, and we brought it back and, and now we are back. So no hope, the podcast, check the new graphics. I went away, my old, the original no hope graphics, you probably don't know what it was, but it's uh, something called a perfection salad. Uh, it's a it's a gelatin mold kind of vinegarish okay. thing with cabbage oh. and my uh, I just thought it was like a bowl of old oatmeal or something. I didn't know what I was looking at. Oh, there there's quite a story behind it. And you know, and I think that even when people don't know, they can sense that there's <laughs> some depth to something like that. You know, it's not just thrown together. Um, but yeah, uh, it's uh, it's a it is my brother's girlfriend's late father's favorite. I don't know, maybe not his favorite. I mean, he was crazy, but he might not have been that crazy. But he really liked it, and they would always have it at Thanksgiving. I took a picture of it, posted on Facebook. It's still this was like three years ago. It still actively has comments on it. It's <laughs> it crossed a thousand comments a while ago. <laughs> it's the most viral thing besides my Epstein. Uh, I, I would yeah. I would actually argue that comments are worth more than views yes yeah, yeah so I, I actually i think perfection salad's number one so it perfection was, salad yeah <laughs> that is my greatest my greatest achievement followed by the two podcast episodes about a sex predator <laughs> in like 2000s on, on the list is the paper i published um in uh grad school yes been cited uh upwards of i think four times <laughs> so good job uh, yay hey somebody actually found it and 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 used it as a reference um yep. anyway so uh to well i wanted to editorialize a little bit about some ideas some theories i've had or i'm not quite sure what you call them and then we wanted to talk about the the thing that we sort of always, the only real feather maybe in Trump's cap, as as mm -hmm. we've been wanting to say, is his um, not starting any new wars. And I, you know, one thing I'm, I'm interested to see is statistics. I mean, how many people have been killed in the Middle mm -hmm. East in 2020 or 2019? Is it actually down? Because it seems like, I guess in Syria it would be down at least by from our own military. Yeah, um, but he he continued to ramp up the drone program. Yeah. So like Bush had him, and then Obama ramped it up like a factor of four, and then Trump ramped it up like another factor of four. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to really be sure, like dig into that to know whether or not total like deaths are actually down. Yeah, because I remember I remember when he came in, and I was sort of you know, talking to some Democrat friends and I was like, well, look, man, you know, he's at least, 
you know, talking about pulling out and everything. And they would kind of, some of them would counter that the deaths have actually gone up. He's actually doing more drone strikes. So that, you know, that would make sense. Well, in the sense. beginning, definitely, because in the beginning, he had people around him that he con- that convinced him to like renege on basically all of his campaign promises is what we talked about in the Bolton podcast. Mm-hmm. And he told them like, if you give us like free reign, we can get the job done and accomplish these missions. And he's been bitter about that ever since because yeah. like it, nothing ever got fun- done. Like it hadn't since we've been in Afghanistan for, you know, how many years, however many years now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so recently, I guess you were saying it was yesterday, um, mm-hmm. but I, I can try to dredge up the link um, in Twitter to just the, the sort of little clip from a speech he gave where he talks about um, not, he says uh, it's something in response to or where he's talking about uh, the military. Actually, mm-hmm. I can just what up. He, oh, weird. This isn't really the, the one. Anyway, it, it, he says something about how the mil- people about you know the military loving him, and he says you know the troops love him, but the top people at the Pentagon probably aren't too happy with me, and <laughs> the people that are like making you know want to make money off of these endless wars, and um, you know that is pretty. You know that that's I, I don't know it's that's spicy. A, yeah, yeah, right. I I I was thinking that outside of Ron Paul, who was <laughs> in a primary for a presidential race, so he wasn't even yeah. the chosen candidate. I don't know yeah. that we've ever seen a sitting president say something like this. Um, yeah, this is like what Eisenhower sort of vaguely warned about. Mm-hmm. You know this. Uh, but, you know, Obama certainly didn't, Bush definitely didn't, and I don't recall Clinton or, you know, I can't imagine any of them saying something like this. I mean, this is just, this is the, him just sort of just showing the reality of what, you know, we've all been talking about on the libertarian side for years as, you know, the reality of it is that, you know, we are not against the troops, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're sort of opposed to, you know, the military industrial complex and obviously mm-hmm. just the aggression of it all. Um, so that is the other thing. We have a little article that we kind of go through about yeah. it. I mean, that's basically the whole story, uh, but apparently maybe there is a little bit more. I mean, I would just say, like, it was, again, it's like what we talked about in the when we talked about the Bolton book. There is this, so there's like a general uh, framework here, which is in all of government, there's going to be a bias towards acting as opposed to not acting, mm-hmm. right? Because if you do something, then you can say, well, at least we tried our best. Uh, and if there's negative consequences, you can always say, well, they would have been worse if we hadn't done this, right? Mm-hmm. And so. What you see over and over again is the military identifies a problem, uh, and or the people at the top do anyway, and then there is an impetus to say we can take care of this if only we act. And this is like what happened in in the administration over and over again. Now you could say it's like, but and there is like a, di- a di- uh, dynamic here, which is Trump against a lot of his advisors because he does have a ton of people who are pretty hawkish. Yeah. around him in his mm-hmm. in his cabinet and has from the start but honestly like the things that bolton was upset about are things that for people who are like strongly anti-war would like right because he was always the one dragging his heels on these things on like retaliation iran ramping yeah. up more troops in afghanistan and things like this and so like hearing this is more like at this point maybe he just doesn't give a shit anymore yeah <laughs> and he's just going to say he's just going to say what he's been saying behind closed doors. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder I wonder why he doesn't. I well, you know, I did hear uh, you know, just reading through the comments, one that stood out to me was well, basically the idea it's like, yeah, the anti-war rhetoric generally wins the election. Like people mm-hmm. don't you know, the American people have 
pretty much chosen the last three presidents were the ones that were the more, you know, viewed as more anti-war. Trump, certainly, <clears throat> over Hillary. Um, <clears throat> Obama, definitely. I mean, I don't know if you could say it in his second term. I, <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, and then, and Bush, which is, you know, sort of stretching me a little bit, but in going back through it, that uh, Bush, you know, actually did have some, you know, anti-war sort of not sort of built built growing this empire blah 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 and then 9-11 mm -hmm. you know um, yeah he did beat Kerry though and Kerry was much more in favor of like basically pulling out of Iraq at exactly mm. that time so so it, it breaks it a little bit the but it is an interesting perspective time. it's the yeah. second time the, second, about the first. so maybe yeah. that's what you, yeah. you'd have to look at like Obama's first you know, right. Well, uh, there's a lot of things going on here, but I mean, it's a it's a factor that you've yeah. pointed out. It could it, be it, very well be true. It's an interesting idea. Yeah, it's certainly not political suicide uh, to do that. No. Um, and no. I don't know. Maybe he's you know maybe he's feeling uh, like a Teflon Don at this point <laughs> with all of the shots they've taken at him. Um, but you know, but but who knows? Um, and it uh, so anyway so. We'll talk about that article a little bit, and it, it. So there was a couple of things I wanted to say about kind of around the Black Lives Matter, and you know, and and, I, and I've talked about it a little bit in the in the video uh, episode and our last episode, mm -hmm. and just you know, one was basically like why I'm not behind the defund the police because it's not about smaller government it's about moving mm -hmm. you know money around and i think it is making things less local and more federal so mm -hmm. I, I i think you know not i'm not even just neutral i mean i guess you could say i i'm more a, i'm i'm more of a complex person than just like smaller or bigger government isn't isn't the only gauge that i can look at uh but it is an important yeah. one and mm -hmm. You know, uh, and my spidey senses were tingling on that from the beginning. And, you know, I think whatever they come out with is just going to be worse. And I think it's probably going to be bigger government because to do the same type of policing or, you know, whatever, to do, do all the same services that a local police department does in the hands of the state or the federal government is going to cost far more money for them mm -hmm. to pull it off. They're just going to need more resources to manage it. It's a, you know, bureaucratic nightmare. Um, but anyway, the, I, I was thinking mm -hmm. of another thing that's been in my head and I keep, I kind of keep forgetting to bring it up, but another example is, you know, when they talk about, Oh, you know, you're 7% only 7% of the rioters, right? Some made up thing are violent. 93% of the riots are peaceful. It's like, yeah, what, you know, whatever. But if there was some group, you know, that was opposed to the Iraq war and they were, you know, going around a restaurant and harassing people at the tables and, yeah. you know, destroying businesses and even sometimes <clears throat> killing people in the streets, like, I would disavow that. And in no way would that be implying that I am for the war in Iraq. You know, like, like right. that is, it's very, very separate. And I think that this is another sort of tool that we, we can use, you know, um, to keep it straight that, you, you know, I, I saw somebody else post like, oh, you know, they made some comment about uh, something that was somewhat pro-black and they, somebody else like pointed out as if it was hypocritical to not be supporting the Black Lives Matter, but yet have some sort of pro-black view, uh, you know, <laughs> and it's like, no, yeah. I mean, you know, and I, uh, a friend at work had posted something about that, about, you know, the issues and blah, 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 and Black Lives Matter, this is like the issue. I don't even remember the specifics of it. And my response was like, look, man, like Black Lives Matter does not have a monopoly on this issue. It is an issue. It is like Black Lives Matter is something more complex than that. It's something like an issue with mm -hmm. a proposed solution, you know, yeah. an action. And while I can see the same problem, 
Um, it's like, you know, with Bernie Sanders, I mean, sometimes Bernie Sanders points out like, yeah, I think that there are some issues with these, you know, big corporations and stuff in the United States, uh, but I am, you know, a hundred percent almost opposed to his proposed solutions. And right. I, yeah, I just think it's, I think it's similar. Um, you know, so I, these are just things I, I, I like to kind of use as tools to sort of Keep my head so I don't get like pulled into, I don't know. Almost well, there's believing. a language. Hmm? There's a language game that's just being played here. Yeah, they put a they put a specific label on the organization. They do terrible things, and then when you oppose those things and say so, they say, "Oh, Antifa is beating up people and smashing cars." I hate that. That shouldn't be done. Well, you pro fascist? Yes. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's it's imbecilic. Oh, BLM is is chasing people out of restaurants. Like that's not right. These people are completely unrelated. Don't Black Lives Matter. It's like as one has nothing to do with the other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's argumentation for morons, and yeah. it's just like at this point, I have no interest in even like discussing it. If you're that dumb. That you can't see the difference between like recognizing like particular issues that may need to be addressed and the tactics being used to draw attention to those issues, then you're stupid. Yeah, but that's a lot of people, and I know, <laughs> and I think, and why? Yeah, so it's just like I try to I try to help some people. If I know the person personally, I'll try to fix their brain. I will say that, <laughs> but. Like, I mean, ostensibly, that's the point of this podcast, I think, is to try I love all to, the listeners. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, that's the problem, right? The problem is, is there anybody listening that doesn't already... I mean, maybe it will embolden somebody that's listening that may be already sort of, you know, in a way we're preaching to the choir, but yeah. possibly clears now, things up or, you know. Yeah, I mean, I was being a little bit of a jerk. I mean, yeah. there's an expression <laughs> I really like, which is like persuasion happens at the margin. It's like mm-hmm. it's like the people who go around saying like, oh, you know, whatever Trump does, it doesn't matter because people will vote for him anyway. It's like, well, yeah, some people might. Mm-hmm. But like there are some people who are on the fence about it. And yeah. by just saying what you do or don't like about them, that's how you move the needle one way or the other. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's like maybe if you're in the audience, I was being a little bit of a jerk. But <laughs> the point is there's a difference between the issues and the taxes, tactics used to draw attention to those issues. Yeah. One can be right while the other is wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and, you know, I feel like uh, stupid sort of means kind of less intelligent than the average right but in this i think that it particularly means whatever level of intelligence or experience or whatever to get that you get duped by this (laughs) so it could be anywhere it could be the the lower end of the bell curve or it could be mm-hmm. most of the bell curve i you know because a lot of smart people who yeah. behave this way it's like some combination of like extremely online and extremely angry yeah it makes it makes people stupid and yeah. they're not in right. general yeah yeah you have to, the best way and this is like why like science fiction can be good sometimes right because it it has these issues in it but it takes them out of like the context that are that's familiar Mm. and so it lets people like analyze them like away from their passions yeah 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 and i mean i think another thing that happens is there's some real visceral fear that gets tapped into and somehow you know i mean for for me, right, it, you could look at something like inflation tapping mm-hmm. that. Because in my mind, I just fast forward, oh, my God, it's going to be hyperinflation yeah. in Zimbabwe or something. Yeah. And, you know, these people, they and, – and it doesn't have to be based in reality either, uh, you know, like just they – regardless of, you know, what they think, they just look at, well – yeah, this, this stuff is bad, but they're fighting against, you know, this super awful thing. Right. You know, these, these, the new Nazis that are, 
you know, whatever, the new right. rise of the KKK, which as far as I know is just completely not happening. Um, well, it's it's the, what you're describing is often called like appeal to consequences, and there's like a pretty uh, fun article that I read about it recently. I think it was on LessWrong.com. Uh, basically, the idea is like imagine there is like a charity that is doing work to like save whatever dogs. Mm-hmm. They think it was like save puppies in it, and you have information that says like they didn't save nearly as many as they said they were going to save for the amount of money that they saved. And the one person says, like, oh, I should send this out, like, so people know that they're not saving as many uh, puppies. And the other person says, no, if you do that, then people will donate less and less puppies will be saved. Mm-hmm. So it's like the person is not wrong that less money may be sent. But the reality is, like, people have a right to correct information and right. they have a right to put their money in the charity that they feel is being effective with it. So what the people want to do is they don't criticize Black Lives Matter because they're doing something good ultimately. And if you criticize them, they won't be able to do that good work, even if you think that what they're doing right now is wrong. Yeah. That's appeal to consequences, which is what you're describing. Yeah. And I just I don't hold to that. If if someone is doing something wrong, you call it out. You say this part, this part of what you're doing is not right and I don't support it. Mm-hmm. And you see if they can correct or not. And if they're not, if they keep doing it, maybe they're not such a good advocate, which I think is what's happened here. I think the tide has already completely turned against BLM. Yeah. The politicians are like rats leaving the sinking ship, the ones that support it. No one even wants to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And they're going strong. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's wild that they're still rioting. I mean, you know, I mean, there there's a thousand police killings a year. So you got yeah. about three a day. Mm-hmm. To roll the dice that as one of these gets caught on video yeah. or even a, a whisper of it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they had the suicide cause riots Ex- for a couple of days exactly. in Minnesota. You know, I mean, ones that are... And for what people don't know, what Pat's talking about is there was a guy who killed himself... And a rumor got out that he'd been shot by police, and that caused, like, a whole big riot and a bunch of property damage in Minneapolis. Yeah. So, you know, there it happens enough. Um, and, yeah, I, you know, but, uh, oh, you remember, I mean, I, I was kind of fascinated by the Yellow Vest movement for a long time and mm-hmm. just how, I mean, I think they kept protests going for about a year, but they only yeah. did it on the weekends. Those the the French people were more reasonable. <laughs> Every weekend, though, they would take to the streets, and they they were huge protests, and it was all over the country. Uh, I I remember mm-hmm. talking to a buddy of mine that lives in Paris about it, and he thought that what was happening here was crazier. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that he was kind of downplaying it a little bit. What was going on in Paris? Okay. I mean, it was. It was pretty wild. They were burning stuff at one point in Paris. I remember seeing the pictures. Yeah, yeah to some extent, yeah. I, I, I don't. I mean, I don't think it was the the level of destruction um, that was here. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. know, and what's going on in Portland? I mean, they've I think crossed a hundred straight days of protesting mm-hmm. every night. I I don't know if it stopped yet or just recently or anyway. Um, I, I'm not sure which country is going to wind up with the record for the longest, craziest. Yeah, protest. I don't. I don't know. I thought I saw in Portland it was uh, amusing. The uh, mayor they had been protesting outside of his building and even set like the lobby of his building on fire, and he announced that he was moving <laughs> because it wasn't fair to his neighbors. It's like, well, that's great for you, buddy. You get to move. What yeah. about the people who are in the neighborhoods where this shit is happening every night? Right. They don't get to move. Yeah, and you're crazy. telling and you're telling the police like that's not important to maintain order for them, so you're just peace outing. Like, come on, yeah, that, and that so that among everything, like that's probably the most surprising thing here is that yeah. the mayors have countenanced the level of destruction to the extent that they have, right? Because they're the ones telling the police not to engage for yeah. fear of another incident. And what happened in Seattle where they, like, took over that section city, I, I honestly didn't believe that that happened. Like, it was really surprising to me <laughs> that a mayor would not be jealous enough, even, like, of their own authority, right. to sh- not shut that down. Because that's what I would have expected to happen is, like, you, it's all good. You can do your protests. As soon as you make the mayor look bad, boom, the police are on you. Yeah. That's not what's happened. That's uh-huh. not what's happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. It's, it's interesting that the 
that the rioters are going after the mayor in Portland so hard Mm -hmm. when it's like, look, this is easily the most friendly mayor you're ever going to get to your cause. I mean, but that's where this stuff is happening and the university too. Like, is there any more environment which you would expect there to be less like systemic racism and like overt like racist opinions is like in in a modern american university i would say i would say like you would be hard-pressed to find another place yeah and yet that's where these sorts of demands are the strongest that the professors come out and say like we're a hotbed of systemic racism yeah so there's something else going on here like that where the protests are happening and is not related to the amount of bad stuff that's happening in those areas. Yeah. Sure. Like a particular riot can be tied to like a particular shooting. But like, if you look at some average over some extended period of time, there doesn't seem to be a relationship between the two. Yeah. 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 That's Yeah. I guess it's just where they get the least pushback, you know, certainly the cities and that's my guess. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) we've said it, uh, or I, I, I've said a number of times. I mean, it, it's, it's hysterical that Portland has somehow become the focus of this. I mean, mm-hmm. it is like the whitest city in America. Yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, I feel like when I see a video that there's anywhere more than one black person in a, a, a protest or riot in Portland, like, I feel like these, this is where George Soros is, like, spending his money to uh, fly people from, you know, Oakland up there or something, yeah. or Atlanta, or, you know, to yeah. be the, <laughs> I mean, I, like, I've been, to, I've been to Portland several times. I've spent, you know, a couple weeks at a time there and mm-hmm. uh, working there. I mean, dude, it is so white. It's, yeah, it's, I was there last year, and I, I mean, my observation would be the same as yours. I'm not an expert on the city. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't know, looking at it, it's certainly way above, I, I want to say it was something like something like 90% or mm-hmm. something. I remember looking at it. Uh, but And then, you know, Seattle... Seattle, I felt, is more diverse, but it's. I feel. I thought it was more diverse with Asians and Indians, and you know, um, okay. you know people from from India, not American Indians. Um, mm. You know, it seemed seemed a bit more, and and just seemed more of a regular city. I don't know. Possibly there are more African Americans there too, um, but it, certainly. But they have not- extremely left wing like policies, mm-hmm. like social policies. There, like if you asked me, told me to name one city, I would say it's like Seattle is number one. Like maybe even yeah. above San Francisco or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, they had like the the high minimum wages almost before anyone. And, yeah. Uh, policies of that nature. I yeah. can't really rattle off very many of them, but yeah, yeah, there, yeah. The the minimum wage and the, it was the um, like the minimum wage for waiters and stuff too. Mm-hmm. I remember okay. I was there one time, and that was a whole thing. Like you don't really tip, I guess, anymore. Okay. Or you know, this person's mm-hmm. getting like fifteen dollars an hour serving you, so it's, right. it's a totally different you mm-hmm. know situation than um, you know what basically any other city in the united states uh but yeah in anyway it's 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 amusing um or i guess in a sad way but <laughs> not, not amusing like a good comedy <laughs> maybe all good comedy has a little bit of a, a sad uh thread running through it mm-hmm. yeah. so it's our real life uh tragedies so <laughs> I um another thing I wanted to say about this was kind of connected to the causes. Um and you know, and I, I've said yes, you know, for sure, you know, I, I mean you can't I would say it's objectively true that uh black people are disproportionately killed by police. And to me I you know, then the the sort of BLM uh, explanation doesn't really hold water very much to me. Um, you know, just the sort of vague idea of systemic racism. I mean, that's really what it mm-hmm. comes down to. There's there, there's no. Uh, I, I'm sure that there's 
different places where they try to back it up with some sort of numbers or whatever. Um, but, and I know that, that you pushed back on this a little bit at one point. Uh, if I recall, I think you were more just sort of, well, sort of wondering and just saying, is there really a correlation? Is there really a correlation between, you know, cities that have a lot of violence by African-Americans and then also a lot of these police killings versus, you know, yeah. um, you know, of African-Americans or whatever. But I, um, I thought of it too, and this, this certainly is just anecdotal, but I think it, it kind of, it, it really, it kind of crystallized at least in my mind, you know, what I'm thinking about when I'm saying this. And, and there was a recent video, um, these cops in a, uh, they were in um, some sort of projects. I, I forget which city it was. And mm. it's a, a body cam footage. And the police officer sort of has his gun drawn. And is like running through. And number one, it's tense. I mean, it is, you know, <laughs> like you. Get, it really is one of those videos that I, I think if you have some humanity, you know what I mean? And this is something that I think... Mm. It, as libertarians, it's like, yes, as much as we're opposed to the state, I mean, in any given moment, you, you, you have to, you know, realize this is like a human being and whatever choices or events or policies led to them being there, like this guy is looking around. I mean, he's by himself. It's not like there's 20 cops around him. Is him. He's right. got his firearm, you know, his sidearm and Apparently, there's some guy running around or maybe multiple people with firearms. And I guess they had shot somebody mm. or something. Otherwise, I'm not sure okay. why they would be there in the first place. And anyway, so you go and then he runs into another cop and they're sort of talking and, you know, whatever. And then at some point, like the kid with the gun comes like tearing around the corner at him and he just shoots the kid and lays him out. And, you know... What um, they they say in the video, they're saying that oh, I think the kid was like throwing the gun or whatever. And it's like, well, I you know, I I I don't know. It the but my point isn't really to go through you know that part of it, but how you know if African Americans are committing more than fifty percent of the homicides in the United States, I would assume mm. that that type of scenario occurs, you know much disproportionately often for African-Americans. So, you know, yeah. I, I think that, that that's kind of like what I'm getting at. And then, and then to me, I think that, you know, now you got to kind of go the other way. It's like, okay, so now like a real legit like racist person, like KKK or whatever, I guess that, you know, or Nazi or <laughs> they're trying to make, <laughs> they would be, and, and, and mind you, like I don't I have never met somebody that has ever tried to make this type of argument to me. You know, yeah. like I have met I don't know, countless people. Tons of people I've known, people I've known grown up in school, I see them on Facebook, people I went to college with, I went to grad school with, I work with, you know, whatever it is, all part yeah. of life have made this other argument are buying this argument that the cops are racist and that's why they're killing black people. The other mm -hmm. one, what I would say is essentially the corollary that I also want to sort of let, you know, throw away is the idea that somehow black people are like genetically predisposed to violence or so. I mean, what, I don't even know what the racist argument would be, but I think it would be something like that, that it's just like, yeah. oh, they're genetic, you know, something in their genetic code but they, is they don't need, making them yeah, They don't violent. need genetics. I mean, the, when, when there was slavery, the, the argument among the slaveholders was that, you know, the, these were like lower humans and that they benefited from the, the servitude. So, I mean, this argument goes back. Right. You could find it in you could find it in Aristotle. Aristotle said some people are are uh, only are better off being slaves, and mm -hmm. so it's just like it's an arbitrary thing to yeah. say, like, oh, you know, there is a group of people who we have the wisdom to identify, mm 
Right, uh, right, right. That that that, that should be yeah. servants to the the higher ones, which we also have the wisdom to identify. So it's like it's pretty obvious where this logic breaks down pretty early. Right, and to right. a libertarian, it's like it's like so nakedly like I will want to control you that yeah. it's just like you don't have to worry about ever falling for it. But <laughs> right, but I mean, in twenty twenty. I don't know who's yeah. making this argument. I mean, maybe they are. I'm no, just I saying I have never in my life encountered somebody that has ever tried to convince me that black no. people were somehow just like, it's some part of their gene that pool that we just don't know about yet. Or, you know, I, I, mean, I don't know what you would be basing this argument off. But anyway, mm -hmm. so once you have to sort of throw that away, you know, as just being sort of obviously stupid and, and, um, you know, maybe the not, I mean, the not, like somebody, there, I'm sure there are still actual Nazis, and they certainly believe that Jews are different. So they probably also believe that, you know, black mm. people are different in this way. I mean, I obviously, like, you know, African Americans have darker skin. I mean, there's, there are yeah. some differences for sure. Sure. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know that there's much, you know, much credence to, to anything like this, you know. Um, and then when you just, look at the the sort of nurture part of the nature versus nurture that, you know, the African-American community at large has been through for the last 400 years in the United States. Like, uh, mm -hmm. they've just kind of had the boot on their neck. And, it, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really tough. But anyway, I mean, in recent times, as we've said a number of times, is, uh, you know, the war on drugs is what I sort of focus on. I mean, if there was... One and, and then you know, kind of welfare state. Those two things are the legislation that, while not codified, um, you know, while the the racism isn't codified into the letter of the law, but the mm -hmm. effect is. And we talked about with crack cocaine, yeah, being like a very kind of stark example of it. That you know, right. the penalties for for crack cocaine. Uh, possession were so much heavier than powder cocaine and yeah. you know crack cocaine is di way disproportionately used by African Americans and so you know mm -hmm. um, so let's uh, let's just assume let's just say that that was racist right so uh, and I, well, it depends. What, on, so this is the question. This is what, like, the word can mean so many different things. Oh yeah, yeah. Some people mean it in terms of like disparate impact. Which, in the case of like the crack cocaine distinction, is like a fact. Which is kind this of my, as where I'm going. Disparately impacted, or is it the intent? Or are we talking about? So this is this is where I'm going because I okay. I mean, possibly the intent, but that becomes I, I don't know. I mean, you're gonna have to just like catch some audio clip where. <laughs> Whoever enacted it, it was just like, hey man, we're gonna make yeah. it. Fuck them blacks. We're gonna be crack really bad, <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and right, it could happen. But I, I don't know how to do it. But what I would say is that, and this is a very new um, sort of twist on an old idea, I guess. So you know, bear with me. We'll see if we can get through this together. I think. That this is a very natural outgrowth of democracy. When mm. you when you pass a law that disproportionately affects a minority, the minority basically by definition doesn't have much of a voice. And so mm -hmm. they're going to depend on the goodwill of the majority to just mm -hmm. notice that, oh man, like African Americans are really getting locked up a lot, but they're not, but you know, the white America that's snorting the powder cocaine and their mm -hmm. relatives are snorting it. They're not seeing this and it's, kind of uh, away from them and so it's just like allowed to fester and fester and the uh, essentially it's just the the you know the tyranny of the majority mm -hmm. so i think that uh, that is democracy is racist <laughs> well you know yes i mean insofar as the people have the capacity to do that. I mean, that's just like, you're basically just restating the old, the oldest joke about democracy. It's, you know, two wolves and a sheep voting who's for dinner. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. But what I would say is it's not even, it, 
I guess in the case, this is what I would say in the case of like your, your example for the, the crack, the argument that is made, even if it's only in the back of the mind of the, the elites is crack is destroying these neighborhoods. Uh, these people can't be trusted with the responsibility uh, to decide for themselves whether or not using these drugs are good or bad. We, the elites, can decide. As a high-priced lawyer, I know how to handle my cocaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I should be allowed to, but it's really I'm doing these other things for their benefit. I'm restricting their freedoms for their benefit. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's always the same thing. So the the point I'm... These people I'm, need our help, Pat. What right. don't you understand? They're unable the to manage their affairs and not the state. The point I'm getting at is you could is that I think it's even a little more, it's more benign than all that. And that the problem is the democracy itself, is that Mm -hmm. nobody has to actually be racist. Nobody has to even be behaving like an elite. You just, once you have a bad law passed, and you don't, like, you know, there's so much legislation. Yeah, yeah, that, that this type of thing can happen, like, like kind of relatively innocently mm-hmm. is sort of my point is that to, to sort of blame systemic racism or something uh, i mean i think that this can look a hell of a lot like systemic racism you know what sure. i mean but yeah, I, I see think what you're that, saying you know you can really just you you could kind of just pin it on it's just human nature i remember mm-hmm. again the first you know the first uh, austrian book i read was by hayek um called Constitution of Liberty, a very not famous one of his works, and mm-hmm. but it's a big old tome. And in there, he, he talks about charity and how, you know, it, like charity has to be local because mm-hmm. it's just human nature. You, people can't really care about people that they're not around, you know, to some mm-hmm. extent. I mean, look at... I mean, I, I feel like I spend so much energy to care about what's happening in the Middle East, you know? Right. Um, but it's still, That's a, you know, a fraction compared to what I'm feeling about my, you know, family or neighborhood or things that I yeah. see around me, you know? Like, this has been discussed by philosophers for a long time. I can't remember which one it was, but he gave the example. He says, you know, if an English... If an English, gen- English gentleman is reading the newspaper and he, he turns the page and he sees 300 people killed in an earthquake in uh, Sumatra, he says, oh, that's a tragedy, and he turns mm. the page. And then if he should find out five minutes later that tomorrow the little end of his pinky finger will be cut off, he's sent into a panic. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that, that's just that's human nature. And, you know, a lot yeah. of people like, like Singer is like a pretty famous philosopher that talks about these issues a lot, you know, where if you, if you walk past the pond and a child is drowning, you would be a monster if you didn't like jump in immediately and save them. Yeah. Uh, but like by giving up some of your money, maybe to like a, a charity somewhere, you might be able to save someone in a faraway country. Like you don't feel compelled to do that in the way you feel to jump into that pond. Yeah. Um, so, so what you're saying is, a, is of course a hundred percent true and his, you know, been remarked for a very long time yeah but people aren't bringing it up now i mean i guess nobody mm-hmm. nobody cares everybody <laughs> thinks we live in a you know a democracy and that's that's the the key is the democracy but you know right obviously uh it's not and and anyway i mean i, I think that, that you need restrictions the, on the public's passions and like that's the purpose of like making laws difficult and not easy to pass and having certain like hard breaks on the power uh, or the set of things the public can vote on. I mean, yeah. that's the point of, that's the point of the bill of rights is like, all oh, these things were just not going to put up for like voting. Yeah. It's too dangerous. We know there's going to be restrictions. Just forget it. Right. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's all I think I wanted to say about mm-hmm. the, uh, my the uh, that that was my anti BLM report for today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, it, yeah, it's too bad too because you know we uh, in the beginning of this there was a lot of there was a lot of potential I feel like for some like reasonably reasonable reforms and uh, what did we do that that fight for eight what was it uh, yeah. 
and we covered it in one of our earlier and in one of our earlier podcasts and like none of you know some of those was like a little bit silly already you could see it on the horizon uh, then yeah where it was like a mix of some reasonable eight stuff can't with, wait eight can't wait but they've been waiting. (laughs) They just they've been waiting, and they've been getting like weirder as they've been waiting. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, they completely dropped it. I mean, nobody says it at all. You know, yeah, that's the problem when you don't have principles, and the only the libertarians are the only ones. Maybe the communists. I I I think the group could benefit from real leadership. Is I think the thing. I mean, where who, who is the national leader? Like speaking for this movement and trying to like get everybody like under a common banner like here is a set of things that we think will help and we think we have the political capital to get past yeah like that's what you need like a a civil rights leader to do that yeah there have been none that stepped forward during this yeah that's pretty interesting that that's that's an interesting point and i know that you know from the the Antifa side of it, that's kind of baked into them. They, that's right. They sort of oppose that. You know, I'm not really quite sure. You know what? I uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. I, I follow their one of their. I follow the Rose City Antifa page on mm-hmm. Portland, and they, it is some bonkers stuff. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, you're yeah, you're right. You're right for sure. The um, there was, you know. A lot that a libertarian could could get behind, and and certainly, mm-hmm. and and they really had. I mean, that's the thing. It's like when the George Floyd uh, killing happened. I mean, they had the nation. They had it. Mm-hmm. Everybody was on board. I mean, it was a very small minority of people, you know. Mm-hmm. And Republicans get a pat, and Democrats they could have done something together, but yeah, I think it's more useful to the political class to use this for further division than to actually do anything so that's right and that's another reason why the a leader of movement could get beyond that because if you're relying on the politicians they're always going to have their own like self-serving motives to do nothing yeah uh the leader of the movement is the one who says here is what we are asking for we believe that it is reasonable we have a lot of support behind us any politician that does these things we will vote for yeah. Uh and, and that's that's the role that they serve. Yeah. Well so Trump accuses Pentagon leaders of wanting to fight wars, and that's the only thing in quote, fight wars, to make defense companies rich. This is an mm-hmm. article on taskandpurpose.com. I was linked to it for antiwar.com by a gentleman named Jeff Shogol. He says, President Donald Trump blasted the Pentagon's leadership on Monday for allegedly caring about caring about the defense industry more than the U.S. service members. And this is a, a quote. I'm not saying the military's in love with me. The soldiers are, the president said at a White House news conference. The top people in the Pentagon probably aren't because they want to do nothing but fight wars so that all those wonderful companies that make the bombs and make the planes and make everything else stay happy. Uh, Trump has said that his desire to withdraw all U.S. troops from Syria now that the Islamic State no longer holds any territory has put him odds with the military leaders. I said, that's good. Let's bring our soldiers back home, Trump said. Some people don't like to come home. Some people like to continue to spend money. Mm. He's really going after. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Pentagon spokeswoman referred questions about the president's remarks to the White House, the joint staff, uh, whatever. Trump's latest comments came, this is what I was trying to kind of figure out, Trump's latest comments came after The Atlantic reported on September 3rd that senior aides had heard the president make disparaging remarks about fallen U.S. troops, wounded warriors, and the late Senator John McCain. Um, this would that was pretty interesting. Is that there's been no corroboration of this whatsoever, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Somebody just like wrote an article and just said, "Hey, somebody told me this," and yeah. there's no evidence presented or whatever. And people are just Bolton. And Bolton said it didn't happen. And that particular incident, like that trip to France, is in his book, and he doesn't say anything about that there. And he has like specifically come out saying he never heard anything like that. So, like, none of which is to say it didn't happen. Like, right. God only knows like what this guy would say. Like he he shoots from the hip and says crazy stuff all the time. 
Um, Trump said, who would say a thing like that? Yeah. Only an animal <laughs> would say a thing like that. <laughs> it's just like, you know, you're, you're protesting too much a little bit there. Uh, and it's like a little ramming from a guy who like sat with like, uh, 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 the head of Saudi Arabia with like a big poster board that showed all the weapons they were going to buy from the United States. So it's just like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? It's like, you, you, he's, he's a weird person. He doesn't behave in any kind of consistent manner. So it's, yeah. I think that the consistent story here is one where like the press is happy about anti-war stuff only up to the point where it helps their like other political prospects. Like, I am not totally interested in saying, like, going to the mat for Trump on this, because I don't think he's been consistent, and I don't think he's going to be. He has some instincts that will tend to push him in that direction. So I think that there's, like, some hope there for that, not to go against the name of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is you're faced... Right now with, uh, I guess, the other alternate is Biden, who is certainly worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, we're not going to vote for either one of them. So who gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would, I would say that if, you, if you're on the fence between uh, Trump and Biden, you should think about whether or not you want like, the, a de minimis number of troops in Afghanistan. Uh, because Biden has sent, I don't think that he will draw it down. And I think he's the kind of person who's going to play it really safe. Yeah. He's definitely not, he's definitely the kind of person who's not going to take a lot of risks. Yeah. And so he's going to be guided a lot by like whatever the, the people around him say. So like, if you think Trump's full of it here and you think people in the military would never propose a military solution unless there was no other option, um, yeah, I think you're uh, go, go ahead and go with Biden, but, uh, <laughs> it, it, if you want a chance to see like a chance of some break, I'm not telling you right. it's going to happen because that would be crazy. A <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I agree. And I, um, I'll say one more thing as we're getting, we're getting close to an hour. Uh, yeah. and there was another insane tweet by the libertarian party's Twitter, uh, I think I may have sent it to you, but they actually deleted oh, it. Oh, yeah. That, so, go ahead. Conan O'Brien, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to do this from uh. memory, but so Conan O'Brien made some just joke about the libertarians uh, couldn't come to the debates because their parents wouldn't let them go out past something or something like that, but joking, you know, just making a. Yeah pretty lighthearted, you know, whatever. And then someone followed up, and I forget who this was. I don't know if this person was anybody of note, but I I don't believe they were, which kind of makes it even more ridiculous. But they followed up with, and, uh, oh, don't uh, say something about Rand Paul coming, is he's going to be scared. He's not coming because he's afraid that somebody was going to yell at him or something. And then the Libertarian Party's official Twitter account responds to that and says, shh, don't, you'll spook him. Like they're Mm -hmm. they're literally making fun of Rand Paul for, for what? Like, I, I mean, if you, if there were not police there, you don't, you know, you don't think he would have been assaulted? Like actually, and I mean, the cop was shoved to the grounds. I mean, the cop was assaulted, and he was shoved into Rand yeah. Paul. Rand Paul like grabs him and lifts him up. I mean, just the you know the absurdity to sort of go go at and and that would be anybody, but the Libertarian yeah. Party. I know. If the tweet has been deleted, they were eventually embarrassed enough by it to delete it. So you know what? Uh, so Justin Amash it- replied. Yeah. And apologized yes. for the Libertarian Party, and then mm-hmm. they deleted it. Mm-hmm. So they're hey, only you know what? only representative in the federal government, Justin Amash. Yep. <laughs> Live by the tweet, die by the yeah. tweet. It's so insane. The, like this is a guy who was attacked by his neighbor, maybe for for reasons related to his politics. The guy beat him up so badly he had a punctured lung. Yeah. Okay. He was on the field with Scalise getting shot at. Okay. <laughs> the 
fair to say he was almost assassinated once yeah. and beat severely another time. If anybody has a right to feel nervous right. in a crowd of people screaming at him, yeah. it's him. And and the thing is, if you watch that? the video, he's not and he's with his wife. His wife I know. is there. And like, dude, when the when the cop gets knocked down, he literally goes and grabs the cop and lifts him back up. Like yeah. Oh my god. It's so it's like he didn't even behave in a frightened way in a really mm-hmm. scary situation, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, in that kind of situation, I, you know, the only thing is to just suck up your pride whatsoever and just get get out of there. As you know, um, I mean, I think you gotta. It's very difficult, uh, you know. I, I, I how, how to deal with with something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. and I am certainly no like tactical person, but I think that there's something between just trying to run away fast. I don't know Mm -hmm. that that's effective and not standing there and confronting. There's like, keep moving, keep it moving, but you know, don't give them any fuel no matter what they say. And, uh, you know, it's difficult and I, you know, and I I think he handled it like perfectly and he handled it absolutely perfectly. It, it doesn't even matter if he handled it perfectly. Right, he handled right. it he, like there's no definition where he was like completely wrong. And yeah. to, and it, to, to say, it's just, I mean, the thing is like, you can easily make too much. Like who knows what idiotic 21 year old is running that account. Yeah. But, like that's the li- problem with the libertarian party <laughs> right. in a nutshell. Yeah. It's, it's fucking disorganized and a bunch of like it, Disorganized losers, basically, <laughs> that, that run the organization. Yeah. You know, you have a bunch of really smart people advocating on behalf of your policy. Uh, you, me, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a lot several of pro- several professors at, at George Mason University. Oh, right, you know, right. you've got you've got you got a mash. You've got Paul, and you know, what do you do with it? You make yourself a joke. It's yeah. just it's ridiculous. Yeah, and apparently they claim to have fired the the person as well, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I, I mean I don't know. They should the, fire themselves. Really, just like <laughs> turn off your Twitter account. Yeah, it's so bad the stuff they've been doing, and I mean maybe they will be a little more gun shy with you know their crazy. Uh, How about let's be the people who behave very seriously about everything. Yeah. And use our Twitter account to like point out like the serious ways in which the state has failed at its objectives. Is there really a dearth of material of pointing out like the bad and counterproductive laws our government has passed that they don't have that material to tweet out? Yeah. Yeah. I, I it, yeah, right. It, it's, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they're, they're so much, fodder and i mean in in a lot of ways you know it's like they're letting i mean there's still all you know all this fighting in the middle east and the fed is going bananas with printing money right now you know the two real core things and the war on drugs you know and and the thing is is joe jorgensen takes you know if you listen to her talk I mean, Mm -hmm. she says like the right thing. Like she obviously, I mean, she knows, like she knows what she's talking about. She's like, we are the, we're the party that actually has the solutions. You know, Mm -hmm. the the Democrats. You know, they can they're you know whatever they can scream and yell all this stuff, but they're they're not actually proposing actual solutions. And now, sort of, she thinks she can win them over. You know, with this or whatever, and that's great. I mean, it's not like she's proposing something ridiculous, um, but it. I just feel like she sort of sits back and says things and the Libertarian Party, you know, when they say things, it's like they kind of stay within the established rhetoric. So you Mm -hmm. can't actually tell them apart. Yeah. You know, they don't come out and say, you know, like whatever it is, you know, just like you don't have to say all this, all this rhetoric. You just say, you know, we're you know, we want to end the war on drugs, we want to end qualified immunity. I mean, I don't know if they're going to be so as bold as to come out against the welfare state right now. 
Right. You know, they should. I mean, it's like so, you know, diametrically opposed to the Libertarian Party's, uh, you know, underlying philosophy. You know, they should be freaking out about the welfare state every single day. And um, but with all this, you know, with Trump as wild as he is and all these Black Lives Matter stuff, I, I feel like they get snowed over and. They spend more time with it. They're at least talking about Snowden and stuff um, yeah. now. So who knows? I mean, may, maybe you know, maybe you're right, and they're just, uh, you know, um, they they just literally had some some really wild person running it, and right. they just got rid of him. Maybe they'll they'll come back down to earth a lot more. Um, you know, that being said, it doesn't make that doesn't really explain then what about spike cohen and i i believe that at least some of the stuff i I mean that one facebook post i i mean i feel like he penned that himself i i've heard him speak before it sort of Mm -hmm. seemed like something he'd say and it was just ridiculous and and you know to not come back and and sort of correct the record you know when you're when you're Mm -hmm. claiming we're we're seeing the beginning of a a trans genocide in the united states i mean it's just it's like a, it's a joke, you know, it's so silly. Um, and that's our vice presidential candidate and a vast improvement over the, you know, Bill Weld. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Spike Cohen is, is smart. He, he, when I, when I heard him talk, I, you know, he, he really, I mean, I really liked pretty much everything until he got him kind of off on the social justice warrior stuff. So anyway it's uh, it's hard it's these guys are not like they don't have huge staffs they're they're just kind of doing what they can out there and there's going to be a lot more missteps and that's the whole thing is that like insofar as they have any presence at all it's going to be when they make a mistake and they're going to make a lot of mistakes because they don't have a big staff like what is the one thing everybody remembers about gary johnson like the aleppo thing right Mm -hmm. and that's like basic lack of preparedness stuff like do you think any of these candidates are like naturally smart or like hugely informed that they can do this and no they do a lot of prep they got staffs that help them make sure they get the right set of information so they can concentrate on glad handing and getting donors and all of this other stuff yeah libertarian party folks don't have that yeah. they're doing everything on their own i mean the and democratic party is like weekend of bernie's right now almost <laughs> It, yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's all staff. There's no guy. There's no guy at the center there. Right. <laughs> this uh, is the, a meat bag. So, so you know, you have to you have to forgive them their their stupidities once yeah. in a while because they're just they're inevitable with the kind of structure that they have. Yeah. Um, but I think they could afford to to. They want to concentrate their message, like. Say, accentuate the positive and do it in a polished way and do less if you have to in order to do that. Yeah. You want, if you're coming, if you're, if you have a very strongly minority viewpoint, you want to make it look as reasonable as possible. Like when you're in the majority, you can afford to scream your head off at everyone and people will still be like on board and you can like browbeat people into being you. Like we are the minority by a very large amount. Yeah. The way that I have convinced people is by keeping my head when they're going nuts and being armed with like the facts needed to convince the people who are on the margin. And you do that year by year and decade mm. by decade. Yeah. And that's the only way this is going to work. Yeah. Well, we will see. We'll see where they go. Um, the, the Mises caucus and Dave Smith are promising the, take back the libertarian party um okay so we'll see next time but you know i, I we'll see i mean it's it is one thing i will say is the where i did where i felt a little bit sympathetic with some of the i don't know left libertarians that i've heard is i i did um i mean i i was following the, I mean, I remember when the Mises caucus started and I was like, oh, hell yeah, you know, because I didn't really get, I guess they call them the Beltway uh, Libertarians or whatever that are kind of the the main ones, the ones that are at kind of like Reason Magazine or whatever, maybe Cato. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. that you would assume are the ones that are really supporting 
this sort of Johnson Weld type of uh, thing. Uh, but at some point on Facebook, I just like unfollowed them because they were just so annoying. <laughs> the you know the Mises Caucus and and honestly, like it's just all the infighting stuff. It's just that's like yeah. man, like. I just don't care. Like, I don't care. I know yeah. what I think and I know, you know what I mean? Like, it's not that big a deal. Like, I'm probably just going to vote for Joe Jorgensen no matter how much mm. dumb stuff the Libertarian Party posts or, you know, at this point, I mean, I, you know, what, what else are you going to do? I mean, it's either that or just not vote, you know what I mean? And uh, I, yeah. I feel like, well, I might as well. Unless, you know, if I was in a swing state, I may honestly consider voting for for trump mm -hmm. i don't know i i, I don't I'm i think the only sure. thing that could make me do that is if he pardons snowden i would consider it then well, uh but that's the only thing he may you know he's uh he's one for the dramatic so we'll see mm -hmm. we'll see maybe he'll pull that out uh mm -hmm. you know maybe late october or something he'll could be bring we'll snowden out on stage with him he'll have a Hey, man, that could do it for me. I'm telling you. Yeah. The real threats to our liberty, I think, are in that, that corner of our government in yeah. long term. Shadowgate. Uh, yeah, you're into that. <laughs> except not Alex Jones. Not, not the crazy fake Millie stuff. Weaver, actual stuff <laughs> that we says. have the PowerPoint slides for. <laughs> ah, man. I think, yeah, you're big. You're the, you're the Shadowgate guy. That's what you're known as. <laughs> <laughs> cool all right well we um let, let's wrap it, it up there yeah. Uh, yeah hope everybody enjoyed it and uh we will be back on soon <laughs>